I want to welcome all of our campuses to week two of our series entitled, Why God? A Study in the Book of Habakkuk. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are with us? <clears throat> so excited to have all of you guys with us. So we are the month of July looking at the book of Habakkuk. Now, some of you may think, man, where is that in the Bible? It's actually in the Old Testament. It's a very powerful book. And here's what it does. It's the candid conversation between Habakkuk and God. In other words, I love, you ever just have a moment where you can get with a friend and you just kind of pour out your heart? This is a book in the Bible where an Old Testament prophet has a candid conversation with God and he just pours out his heart to God. And by the way, he's troubled. He's troubled by things that he sees around him. He's struggling and grappling with inconsistencies in culture because here's the deal. He was part of, well, God's people in Israel, and there was a time when they were flourishing and they were prospering, and yet he saw compromise. He saw things around them that were unspeakable, and he saw injustices. He saw a moral decline. He saw all of these challenges, and he was concerned. And he said, why God? Why God is this happening in your Nation, God, why, why is this happening with your people? Matter of fact, maybe that's, maybe that's where you are. Maybe there's some things in your life personally. You're dealing with some issues in your own family. Maybe it's with a child, maybe a son or a daughter, and maybe in your marriage, and you're like, God, listen, I, 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 I know these people, they're not even Christians. It seems like everything's going okay with them. But yet I've got these challenges. Maybe you're battling with a physical ailment. You're like, my gosh, these people don't even serve God, and yet I do, and, and, and yet my wife or my aunt or God, and it seems like, God, why is this happening to me? You ever been there before? Maybe you, like me, the last few years, we've all asked the question, why? Because of what's going on around us. The challenges in our culture, the divide in our culture, the moral decline in our culture, and we're like, God, when, when, are you, when is something going to change? Like, like, like when it's going to, Lord, we're, we're crying out for your spirit. Now, the good news is about this book, and the good news is about the Bible, that God's people can partner with God to see things change in the earth. The good news is, is that we can, we can call out to God. How many are grateful that God answers our prayer? Come on. How many are grateful for that? So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. We're going to look at the last half of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Today I want to talk to you about what do you do when God seems silent. I want to be honest with you guys. I hate when I'm in any relationship with anybody and there's no conversation. How about you guys? It's like, just say something to me. I don't care what it is. I mean, just like, say something. Matter of fact, I, my, my, my wife and I, we, we don't fight. We just have healthy discussions. I mean, just, you know, we'll just have that thing. And I, I never forget years ago, we've been married 27 years. And, and the first few couple years of our marriage, you know, we, we'd have those. And I, I never forget one time she told me, you know, we were just kind of going back and forth. And, and, and she told, she goes, you know what you need to do? You just need to go pray and talk to God about this. And I was like, don't bring God into this. You know, I'm just like, that wasn't fair. So, of course, I, you know, went and prayed and talked to God. And of course, my God starts working on my heart, you know. And she's just kind of giving me that silent deal, you know. And I'm like... All right, so, you know, she 
She's in the bedroom, so I just kind of go into the bedroom, you know, to knock on the door. I said, well, honey, you know, look, I just, and I'm so sorry about all this. You know, of course, it's my fault, and, and, and I'm just sorry for everything I've ever done. By the way, that's a good marriage strategy. I'm just sorry for everything. I, guys, just, just everybody, all the guys say, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. Just say it. That is just, that'll help you succeed in marriage, okay? Everything I've ever done. So, of course, I knock on the door. Honey, you going to open the door? So she doesn't, you know, it's a little silent treatment deal. I walk in there, so she's in the bathroom. I'm like, all right, you know, so I just go up to the bathroom, you know, just knock on the door, you know, like, honey, I'm just so sorry. Please forgive me. It's my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault. Of course, she doesn't say anything. I'm like, okay, she's done. So I'm, of course, get on my knees. I'm like, all right, honey, I'm so sorry about all this. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. I've, I'm sorry that I've caused every problem in the world. I'm sorry that I've got, and you got to go for it. I mean, this has got to be like deep level repentance. Finally, she's not saying anything. I finally just got to jump up. I'm like, this is too much. And I open the door. She's not even in there. <clears throat> I get it. I don't like silence with anybody, particularly God. There's times when our, in our relationship with God, it's like, God, are you watching? God, do you know what's going on? Well, the truth is, he is. It seems like he's silent, but he's actually working. Yeah. All right, if you have your Bible, let's jump into the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1. We're going to look at another complaint from Habakkuk, and then we're going to look at God's responses. This is so powerful. If you weren't here last week, 2,700 years ago, this book was written. About 600 B.C., a couple years before that, Habakkuk's a prophet in the Old Testament. Listen to his second complaint. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them. To execute judgment. He's talking about the Babylonians here. <clears throat> you, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Watch these questions. I mean, he's going deep. Why are you silent? There it is. While the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with their hooks. It's like they're catching them. He catches them in their net. He gathers them up in their dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. I'm going to explain. For by his net, he lives in luxury and he enjoys the choices of food. He's talking about Babylon. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations after nation? Without mercy. Here, Habakkuk is complaining to God because God is seemingly silent. He's not. Because of the, quote, seemingly inaction of God, although he's not. And he's living in this dark culture. Watch this. He's living in this dark culture. The nation of Israel was thriving and prospering. And then there's this encroaching wickedness that's happening and evil that's all happening. And now, all of a sudden, Habakkuk, God starts showing Habakkuk. Remember, Habakkuk is what's called a prophetic book. What does that mean in the Old Testament? <clears throat> a prophetic book is where the writer speaks about what's what is now, but what is coming. 30 years after he writes this, the Babylonians come. Watch it. Modern day kind of Iraq. That's where it was. By the way, let me explain something. I want everybody to hear me, every one of our locations. Babylon in the Bible was a literal nation, kind of modern-day Iraq area. That's where they were geographically. But in the Bible, Babylon is also symbolic of the world system. And that's important. 
You've got to understand two parallels in the Bible. Number one, everybody say Babylon. <clears throat> Real nation, right? Nebuchadnezzar, the whole thing. 30 years after he writes this, the Babylonians come Watch this, from the east, and they invade Jerusalem. Remember, they take off Dan, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach. They, their names get changed. Daniel, no. All right, well, watch this, watch this. In the Bible, Babylon's not only a nation, but it's also indicative of and symbolic of the world system. Jerusalem, the city of man, Babylon. Jerusalem is a literal, physical city, even today, and it's always been known as the city of God. So it's a, a conflict between the city of man, Babylon, and Jerusalem, the city of God. Does that make sense? <clears throat> All right, watch this. Habakkuk, as a prophet, sees... He sees, God, why is this nation, this treacherous nation, they're taking nation after nation, and now they're coming from us, for us, God. Why, is, why are our people compromising around us? And God, why is this wicked nation coming, and they're going to destroy us? That's the context. Keep in mind, it's okay, like I said last week, it's okay to pour out your heart to God in prayer. We all see inequities, we see injustices, we see inconsistencies in culture, in our own lives, and it's okay, watch this, to bring that to God. It's okay to bring it to God. God's not freaked out. God's not like, what? What, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. Bring it to God. Everybody say, bring it to God. Do you know that God can handle your pain? He can handle it. He can handle it. You ever had a relationship with someone that's like, oh, I don't want to talk to them, you know, mom, I don't want to talk to dad, grandpa, I don't, I don't want to put any, I don't want to put anything on them. You ever said that before? They're going through a hard season. Can I tell you something? God's not like going through a hard season. How many are grateful that God's not going through a hard season? Are you with me? <clears throat> watch this, watch this. What that means is, what that means is God actually invites us to put what we're dealing with, quote, on God. All right, now, let me give you this. Are you guys ready? Say yes. I am so fired up about this because it's going to help some people today. I'm going to give you four keys to overcoming in the dark. I'm just going to go verse by verse through this. Watch this. Number one. <clears throat> so how do we overcome in the dark? Number one, we watch and we wait. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one. Here's now what Habakkuk says. He comes at the end of his first complaint and listen to what he says, then God responds. Watch this. I will stand at my watch, and I will station myself on the ramparts. He's watching for the nation of Babylon coming in. Watch the enemy coming in. And I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to his complaint. Now, this is important. Grasp this. I've got a picture. I want all of our campuses to see this. It's important. This is an ancient picture of a watchtower. Sentinels, like, like, like watchmen, would stand up there. If you can pull that picture up, if you would do that for me. All right, so Habakkuk, here's what he does. He's a prophet. He climbs up. He climbs up on the city walls of Jerusalem, and he begins to look out like watchmen. And you see this in ancient times, biblical cities. You would have people that would stand up there guarding the city, right? And they would have a bird's eye view over the enemy coming. For, I mean, just think about how high that is. You, you ever go on top of a mountain? You can like see for a long way. Well, that's, that, that could be 100 feet up or more. You can see a long way when the enemy's coming. Number one, pastor, how do you overcome in dark times, which we all deal with? 
If you're not dealing with it personally, existentially speaking, in your own life, can I tell you something? There's darkness all around us in culture. How do we respond? What do we do? Number one, I tell you what Habakkuk does. He says, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to climb up. I'm going to go up. And I'm going to get in this watchtower, and I'm going to watch for the enemy coming. Do you know the very first thing that God will do with us is he'll tell us and help us to open our eyes to see the enemy's work in our lives, and our kids, and our marriage, our family, and even the nation that God has placed you. The Bible talks about a lot about opening your eyes. Oh, God, open your eyes. Paul, in the, in the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, open their eyes. Open their, what, why open their eyes? To see what? To see what God's doing, but also to see what the enemy's doing. God has called each of us to be biblical watchmen. Men and women of God that watch this. In a place of prayer, we see what the enemy's doing. We see what the enemy's doing in our relationships. We see what's happening in our business that God has entrusted us to. Uh, we, we see what's happening. Oh, oh, I see what's going on. Okay, wait a minute. I see what's going on. Uh, remember, a, a, a sentinel, it's, 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 it's a military thing where, where they would watch in the military sense of the enemy coming in. But spiritually speaking, God's called us to be watchmen, to be men and women of God watching over our families in prayer. That's called an intercessor, by the way. God's called you. God is inviting us into a partnership with him. And he's speaking to us. We watch. Everyone say watch. And we wait. Look at verse 1. I will look to see what he will say to me. Ezekiel 3, 17. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak. I can't tell you the times in my life as a kid, as a teenager... God would speak to my parents, my dad, my mom. I, I, I remember at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd come in, you know, my mom would, you know, where have you been tonight? My spirit, God spoke to me. Do you know something? You know, God's got, got his hand on your life. Let me tell you, the reason why you weren't killed in that car wreck is God spoke to me. And, God, and I started praying for you. And I'm like, all right. I mean, you know, listen, that'll freak you out as a teenage kid. But it'll also get your attention. Parents, listen to me. We war in prayer and we watch over our kids. We watch over. How many are grateful that God will speak to us about our kids? God will speak to us. God will speak to you about your marriage. Wait a minute. That relationship's toxic at work. And it's kind of, it's trying to get in between you and your spouse. And why time out? Take a step back from that. You know, it's, yeah, it's kind of professional, but it's gone a little bit personal. And it's making your spouse insecure. Pull it back. Pull it back. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about that. Why? God's called you to watch over your kids. God's called you to watch in prayer spiritually over your relationships. God's called you to watch over, listen, the community he's placed you and God's called you to watch over the nation he's placed you in. It should bother us when we see things in our culture. It should bother us, the, the senseless violence. It, it, should, it should bother us. We have power in prayer with God to look out and to pray against the plans of the enemy. We have power with God. Micah chapter 7, verse 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God, to hear me. We're watching. So what are we doing? He says, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait upon the Lord. So I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait. What am I doing? I'm waiting upon God. God's going to speak to me. God's going to speak to me about my family. God's going to speak to me about what's going on in my business. God will speak to, God will speak to us. We've got to watch. We evaluate the strategies of the enemy. Oh, I see this. Oh, I see what's going on here. 
God, what is, what is it Habakkuk doing? He's watching. He's seeing Babylon come. Yeah, I'm going to watch out, and I'm going to see the enemy, and I'm going to cut off the enemy in prayer. Yeah. Everybody say watch, and everybody say wait. So as believers in Christ, we are called to watch, and we are called to wait upon the Lord. Now, watch step two. The second thing that happens as we're waiting upon God, God starts speaking to us. Watch this. We want to write it down what God speaks. We want to write it down. Write down what God says to us. So we watch and we wait upon God. And number two, we write down what God speaks. Verse by verse. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. What vision? The plan, the prophetic insight God is speaking to them about. To him. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. God will speak to you about something even in the future. God will speak to you about something that's coming. God will speak to you about something that's happening right now in your family. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. There's always a gap between when God speaks about something and when we see the manifestation. Wait for it. Wait for it. Grow patience because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, for the just shall live by his faith. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, and he does not stay at home. Because he enlarges his desire as hell, and he is like death and cannot be satisfied, he gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself. He's, he's contrasting the humble heart and the proud heart. God is giving Habakkuk clear instructions when life gets tough. Friends, there is a reality when life gets tough. What do you do? When life gets tough, what do you do when you're in a tough situation with a child, in a relationship, in a professional sense? What do you do? Well, number one, I'm watching. I've got eyes to see, and I've also got ears to hear. So I'm watching the plans of the enemy. God's speaking to me. I'm waiting upon God. I'm watching and I'm waiting. And now God starts to speak. Now God starts to download his plans and his purposes. By the way, that's why we should always take a notebook and a pen to a time of prayer. Always have something to write down. Why? Because let me tell you something. In the darkness, you can lose things when God speaks. You got to write it down. That's why he said, he said, write it down. Why? So that you may run. Whoever reads it, First, it's you. God speaks to you in your prayer time. I always bring a pen. I always bring. The other morning, I, I was sitting outside my backyard, and God started speaking to me. I wrote it down, three things, and then I texted it to a friend. God just started speaking to me about something. God started speaking to me about something. So, so number one, I'm watching and I'm waiting. God has called all of us. How do we overcome? Whether you're not dealing with, whether it's a personal level or in a cultural level, how do you, quote, how are you an active participant in seeing God's plan unfold? We watch, we wait, and number two, we write it down. God will speak to you. What is God talking to you about in your business? What is God talking to you about? Maybe, maybe in, a, in a relationship with an in-law, or you may think it's an outlaw, whatever you think. God definitely wants to talk to you about that relationship, how you can mend it, how you can bring salve and healing to it. The fact of the matter is that the problem is that we, in, in the darkness, we can lose things. And, and God was telling Habakkuk, write it down, write it down, not only for you, but also those other around you, that they may 
run who reads it. I am so grateful that we can hear from God. How many of y'all grateful that God speaks to his people? How many of y'all grateful for that? God will speak to us. He'll give us a promise in the word of God, the plumb line. We gauge everything we gauge every other experience with God based upon, does the word of God, is it in the word of God? Does it line up with the word of God? By the way, God never tells you to do anything that con- that's contradiction to the revealed word of God. So we write it down. What? A promise that God gives us or an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. We write it down. Maybe God will give you a dream, a vision. It's part of the characteristic of a New Testament believer, Acts 2. God will speak to you. I, I, I love that analogy. I was Recently, I saw this thing on TV where you had these people in the military, and they had these night goggles, and it was just really amazing, and, you know, of course, it's pitch dark around, but they would put on these, in this strategic warfare, they'd put on these goggles, and in the goggles, they'd be able to see the enemy. What's interesting is, if you had the goggles on, you could see the enemy, and you could see where to go. If you didn't have the goggles on, you're just groping in the darkness, and I began to think about the believer in Jesus. The believer in Jesus that's filled with the Word of God, that's filled with the Spirit of God, They're filled with Christ. Can I tell you something? God gives you the ability to see what others can't see. You can see the pains going on in our culture. You can see the evil. You can see what's going on with young people and and how Hollywood is trying to invade the minds and to disciple a whole generation of people, of young people, into an immoral lifestyle. You can see it. Why? Because Because you've got biblical goggles on. You can see what's going on, and you can pray against it. You're watching, and you're waiting, and then you're writing down. Why? You're writing down what God speaks to you about. The amazing thing about this is that, is that, that we have an advantage as a follower of Christ. I, I want to help everybody with something. The enemy has a timeline. By the way, the enemy, I cannot wait till this fall. I'm going to be teaching through the book of Revelation. How many of y'all excited about that? Seven weeks. I'm fired up. Listen to me, I want to, I want to lay some things out. Revelation 12, 12 says this, the devil has been cast down to the earth and he knows his time is short. Can I tell you something? There is a timeline. It's almost like the hourglass has been turned over. The enemy knows his time is short and he's going to do everything he can to try to wreak havoc in the earth and in your life before his time is over. Just remember this, the devil is a creation, a created being, God is a creator. There's no challenge between God and the devil, the challenge between the devil and God's people. Just remember that. But there is a timeline of the enemy in your life. The enemy can't just do whatever he wants to do. The Bible says very clearly, Romans chapter 16, verse 20, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What's my point? My point is the enemy does not have power over you. The only influence the devil has over a child of God is their ignorance to the word of God. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says this, God's people, listen, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What? Biblical knowledge. That's why we got to get in this book. That's why we got to know what God's plan is. By the way, we need to know what the enemy's plan is. The enemy's plan is to divide, to destroy, to kill, to pillage. That's what the enemy wants to do. God's plan is to bless, to heal, to bring life, to bring joy. That's why we've got to know what God's word says. That's why we've got to be saturated. We need to be Bible-saturated Christians, spirit-filled believers. Why do we need to be saturated with truth? Because everything in the world, the, the dissolution of truth, the dissolution of objective reality, that's why we need to base our life upon the Word of God. Remember, we're seeing in Habakkuk, the Israelites are being disciplined by the enemy. Babylon's coming in. This is about 615 B.C., 
About 30 years after this, the Babylonians come in. Don't miss this. The enemy comes in, impacts the children. Watch this. The, the Israelites. But then right after that, 539 B.C., the Babylonians are knocked out of the race by the Persians. There is a timeline on the enemy. There is a timeline on him. And he knows. That's why the earth, the earth is quaking right now. The earth is shaking right now. Why? Because he knows. And let me tell you what he fears. He fears Bible-saturated, spirit-filled believers that knew they know who they are in Christ and what they are called to do in Christ. That, I'm telling you, the enemy fears that. It's not our own strength. It's not like I'm an Enneagram, a, I'm a deep. No, it's not that. It's when you, are, when you know who you are in Christ. It's not about willpower. It's about word power. It's not about your personality and your intellectual prowess. It's about, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who God is? And are you walking with Jesus? Verse 3, for an appointed time. There's coming an appointed time. There's an appointed time. Every word that God has spoken to you, there's an appointed time. There's an appointed time. All right. All right, so what have I said so far? I'm so fired up. To, I hope you guys can handle all this. I've got so much. Let me tell you why. Because my prayer as your pastor is that your eyes would be open to see. That you'd see what the enemy's doing, but you'd see more importantly what God wants to do in your life. And God wants to do through your life. By the way, you are the material that God wants to work as signs, wonders, and miracles through in the earth. In the earth. Number one, how do we overcome in dark times? How do we overcome? Listen, maybe you're in that right now. Maybe you're struggling right now. Number one, you've got to watch and wait. Wait upon God and watch for the plan of the enemy. God will give you, he'll show you the strategies, that hurt and that offense. The whole reason why that relationship went awry was to get you disappointed, to get unforgiveness in your heart so that you'll be bitter because bitterness destroys and defiles many. So God will show you, watch this, the plan of the enemy is to see bitterness in your heart. You've got to get it out so that you don't become prey to the enemy. So, so watch this. So you're watching, everyone say watch, and everybody say wait. All right, number two, when God speaks to you, then you begin to write it down. You know this in a corporate sense. Those of you that are in the corporate world, you write down goals, you write down dreams. Why? You ought to review your goals, right? Why? Because when it's before you, you run towards it. You run, it, it empowers you every day. You begin to, it begins to, it's like a levy structure that provides definition to your life. You run towards what you've written down. And there's nothing better than writing down what God speaks to you. All right, number three, here it is. The third thing he says is this. This is so critical. We live by faith. Habakkuk chapter two, verse four. Behold, the proud, Babylon, the city of man. Behold, the proud. We have a, just, you, you can see it. As a Christian, I'm, I'm just trying to help you, disciple you in the word of God. You can see it. When a culture is built devoid of God, Babylon, the city of man. By the way, Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon ultimately is destroyed. This world system is not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. All right, watch this. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just, the righteous before God. Not in our own strength, but we receive the righteousness of Christ. We live by faith. We don't live by our feelings. We don't live by our senses. We don't live by what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can feel. What we, don't live by what we, we don't live by our five senses, but we live by faith in what God says. This world, our culture, 
has been baptized in sensuality and they define reality based upon what they feel. Well, what are you? Well, it depends on how I feel. Since when is your identity based upon your feelings? I remember as a kid, I've said this so many times, I remember as a kid about milk. One month milk was good for you. Next month, don't drink milk. By the way, that's a picture of our culture. This is good. Just hang on. It'll turn. Turn. It'll be bad. Bible talks about that. They call it evil good and good evil. They flip the price tax. The culture flip. Why? Because, because they live based upon what they feel, but they don't live based upon what God's word says. That's the city of Babylon versus the city of God. We, let me just, I want to help everybody. Every campus, you are not what you feel. You are what God says about you. That's what God says. That's what God says. As a pastor, my role to stand before God one day is to, to stand and be honest before God. God, I've done everything I can to disciple the people that you've called to be part of the church that I'm a pastor. I'm going to tell you something right now. You better get this if I'm your pastor. The world defines reality by feelings. God defines reality by truth. By truth. And your, your feelings change. My feelings. Let me tell you. If I told you how I felt in one day, I could be a Martian by 2 o'clock. But I thank God when I wake up in the morning, I don't look in the mirror to go, who am I? I look to the word to say, oh, that's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. You watch. You watch where the city of Babylon goes. World system. City of God, city of man. The city of man defines reality by feelings. You can be whatever you want to be today. You can identify any way you want to be today. That's all based upon feelings, not truth. Truth is the city of God. The city of God versus the city of man. The city of God versus the city of man. Truth versus feelings. Truth, not that feelings are bad, but feelings are not dictators in our lives. The, 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 the basis of life is objective truth and reality. Number one, I'm watching and I'm waiting. I'm listening to God. He's showing me the plans of the enemy. Oh, yeah, I see what's going on in that relationship, that old relationship from faith, that old relationship. That person has messaged me from Facebook. They're trying to get me to go back into that old. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Ah, I'm watching. God has shown it to me. I'm watching and I'm waiting. Number two, I'm writing it down. Number three, I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. I'm not part of the city of Babylon. I'm part of the city of God. Number four, and we'll conclude. Whew. I'm working hard today, probably harder than most of y'all, just to be honest. All right, here we go. Number four, beware of the ways of Babylon. It's in the Bible. Babylon is, again, both a literal historical nation, but it's also a symbol of the world system that's antithetical to the ways of God. Babylon is always saying, hey, we have it all together. We can do whatever we want to do. Man is progressing. No, man's not. Scientifically, maybe, but not morally. Not morally. No. God's rules don't apply to us. They're antiquated. You really believe in that book? You really believe in that thing? Come on, man. We've advanced past that. Babylon. Ways of man. World system. But we read, we read that God speaks differently. In verse 6, listen to what God says. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods. Verse 9, 
Woe to him who builds his house by an unjust gain. He's talking about Babylon. Remember this in the Bible. Babylon is a nation, but it's also the world system. It's two meanings. He's talking about Babylon, that nation that's about to take over and impact Israel. But he's also talking about indicative of a world system. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. Verse 15, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. Verse 19, woe to him who says to wood or to lifeless stones, wake up. These people say to idols, you're going to fulfill me. You're going to satisfy me. Let me tell you something. Babylon can never satisfy the deepest longings in your soul. Woe to the person that thinks the world. Woe to the person that thinks that immorality is going to satisfy. Woe to the person that thinks that conquest. Let me tell you, the world system can't satisfy. There is a hole in everyone's heart. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in your heart that can only be filled by the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the only, let me tell you, that's the only thing that will bring deep, deep peace. It's the only thing that will bring peace. Oh, you may have enjoyment apart from God. Emotionally, a titillation of the soul just for a moment, but you won't have peace in your soul. No, when you go to bed at night, you lay your head on the pillow at night. No, no, you know, let me tell you, that your soul's restless. Augustine said it this way. He says, my soul is restless until it's found its rest in thee. The city of God, city of man, the city of God. Babylon and Jerusalem, the city of, the city of man, the world system. The world system and the system of God, how God does things, starts with a personal relationship with Christ. By the way, isn't it interesting that Jesus used the same language? I'll close with this in Matthew. Here's what he said. This is the, let me tell you, Babylon and Jerusalem, the city of man, the city of God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Watch, there it is, and pray so that you may not fall into temptation, that you may not give in to Babylon. Don't give in to Babylon. Don't give in to Babylon. Don't give in to it. Don't give in to its ways. Don't give in to its norms and mores and customs. Don't, 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 don't go by that way. That way is trying to build a world without God. It's trying to build a world without accountability to God. It's trying to build a world that doesn't acknowledge the imago Dei, the image of God. This is, this is the image of man. We're made in the image of God. We're made in his image and his likeness and his dominion. We're not made in the image of man. We're made in the image of God. We don't live according to the world system. We live according to God's system. God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. Jesus says, watch. Everyone say, watch. Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit, this is where there's life and joy and peace and hope and faith. Pastor Steve, this message is kind of heavy. Well, I don't know how to say it any other way, but we got to wake up. We got to wake up. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And the first part of being part of the solution is having our eyes open and making sure we're living in the kingdom of God, making sure we're walking with God, making sure we're hearing the voice of God, making sure that we're operating in the spirit, making sure that we're intercessors, praying over our family, praying over our nation, praying over our kids. It should bother you as a Christian when you see things, when there's wrongs that need to be righted. It should bother us when we see lost people rejecting. It should bother. We should believe God. We should be prayed up. We should stay up. We should walk with God so that the kingdom of this world will not snatch any more people that are part of the kingdom of God. I know that sounds heavy. I know. 
problem is it's in the Bible. The problem is it's in the Bible. Watch and pray. Everyone say, watch and pray. The first step to being part of the city of God is having a personal relationship with Christ. Over 30 years ago, I gave my heart to Christ. I didn't buy into a religion first. I didn't buy into a church. I bought into it. I surrendered to Christ. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. Every one of our campuses, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Here's what the Bible says. I want everybody to look at me. Those that are joining us online, if you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to me closely. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the blood of Christ that washes us. It's the blood of Christ that cleanses us. In just a moment, I'm going to ask all the campus pastors to come on stage right now, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you personally, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm just going to ask you to quickly lift up your hand in just a moment. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. You're not at peace with God. You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. You can know that you know that you're safe in Christ, that you're secure in Christ. He is your refuge. Do you know Christ? Are you at peace with God? At the count of three, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold up your hand. Every one of our campuses so I can say, God bless you right there. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you guys up top. Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir. God loves you, sir. He brought you here today, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you right there, buddy. God bless you. God bless you as well. God bless you guys. God bless you. Wow. Church family, let's pray with those. Every one of our campuses and those that are joining us online right now, let's all pray together. Can we do that? Let's just pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Wow, what an amazing message. That was just phenomenal. If you're here in church today and you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time, we just want to take a second and say congratulations. That's amazing. The Bible says that you're made new, that you're forgiven, that you're washed clean, that you're born again. Yes. That's a huge deal. And we just want to say we're so excited for you. Absolutely. And if you're like me, you're going to want to write this down because I know I like to write down every time God does something in my heart. So take a second and write down what God's doing in your heart, what he's speaking to you. And if you just made this decision today, we don't want you to do it alone. We want to walk alongside of you. So there's a link in the chat, as well as you can text the word decision to 822-822. And we're going to be able to give you resources, learn about you and help you walk with Jesus. In fact, if you're here today and you need prayer for anything, our team is here to serve you. We have a bunch of hosts and pastors in the chat room right now. So if you need prayer for anything, click that chat button and we'll have somebody right there who's happy to pray with you. But if not, we love you guys. We'll see you same time. Same place. Right here in church. See you soon.